Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for busy parents building profitable businesses. If we haven't met yet, I'm Meg Brunson, and we are about to simplify business and marketing strategies because balance was never about spending equal time between your business and your family. Nope, you want to spend previously unimagined amounts of time making memories with your kids. And the only way that's going to happen is if we get your marketing under control. I want to take a minute to acknowledge that Black Lives Matter, that love is love, and that inclusivity is essential for success. So I welcome all colors, genders, and cultures to join us for today's episode. All right. Hello and welcome. Today's guest is a former corporate HR and DEI consultant turned heart-centered copywriter for socially conscious women who coach women. She partners with unapologetically progressive clients to create inclusive brand messaging and impactful sales copywriting so their people feel safe, seen, heard, and inspired to buy. She lives in Southern New Hampshire with her husband, two toddlers, and two cats who think they're humans. I am excited to introduce you to Amy Matos. Amy, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, thank you for having me, Meg. I'm psyched. Oh, I am so, so excited. So I think the first thing I want to talk about, we've heard a lot about inclusivity, especially over the past, let's just call it the past year, right? Things have gotten... There's been some some high-profile racial issues in the news. Can we talk about why inclusivity is important and how, just like the concept of how like we as entrepreneurs and, and small businesses, like what kind of an impact do we actually have? Yeah, so I think it's a really great question. So if we take a step back and think, um, what does inclusivity mean? And I like to think back to my HR days a lot of the time when I think about this. Um, you hear words like diversity, equity, inclusion. You hear these often used interchangeably, but realistically they have slightly, well, they don't have slightly different meanings. They have very different meanings. Um, and what happens sometimes um, in companies, in businesses, in brands, in our messaging, right? Um, within our audience, we can have a diverse audience. We can have followers from all over the world, just like we can have employees from all different backgrounds. But that does not mean, like if this was a, an employment scenario, that people feel comfortable showing up fully who they are in their own skin. They feel safe. They feel welcome. They feel seen, right? It's the same thing. Take that out of a workplace HR environment and stick it into your world as an entrepreneur. Just because you may have a diverse audience, you may have likes and followers and subscribers from all different backgrounds, um, that does not mean that people feel safe to engage with you and your brand um, in a way that allows them to be kind of fully represented. It doesn't mean that they can bring their full experience, their full lived experiences into the relationship that you build with them with, with your brand, within your community spaces, um, or whatever it is, whatever 
you know, however you run your business, right? So when we think about what is inclusivity, the goal of inclusivity is not simply to say, okay, I've, you know, had X number of um, clients hire me from different backgrounds, or I've, you know, completed X number of checkbox kind of activities. Um, I used to kind of get, give that a bad rap in the HR field, but like, it was often like people were just trying to like check a box and like, Oh, we hired X number of women or we hired X number of whatever. That's not what it's about. Um, inclusivity and inclusivity as an entrepreneur and within your brand and within your messaging is trying to invite people, um, to again, fully experience themselves, fully see themselves in your content. It's trying to create an environment where people feel safe, where people feel seen, they feel heard, they feel validated. Um, they feel respected in your space. And so what difference, what does this mean for you as an entrepreneur? Why does it matter? How do we contribute to this? So, well, frankly, it's probably a long-winded answer. I would say that first and foremost, right? Like, I think it's important because I think it's like the right thing to do. It's like a, a moral thing that I think is important, right? Like, don't we... I think a lot of people, at least a lot of the people that I hang out with in the business world, like you go into business for yourself because you want to have an impact on the world in some capacity. Like the easy thing, and easy in air quotes for some people would be to, you know, just not be your own boss and maybe just sit behind a desk. And, you know, we take this, these risks to create these businesses for ourselves because we want to create some type of life and impact and legacy. And, and I think hand in hand in that goes with, you know, looking at our values and the values we bring into our business. So for me personally, like, I just think it's the right thing to do to try to welcome and show, you know, individuals from all backgrounds that they're honored and respected and seen and validated and and that they matter um, in your messaging and in your brand content. But I think, you know, even more than that, like if you wanted to just look at it as a, as just like a, like a, just like a dollars and cents things, I think it is a smart business decision. End of story. I think that more and more consumers, um, and this has sort of been trending this direction for a long time, but I think especially within the past year, more and more buyers and consumers out there, they want to understand what brands and businesses stand for. They want to understand how you're showing up in the world, what your values are, what your commitments are. Um, They want to understand, are you being um, ethical and and socially responsible with how you source products, for example, or how you you build and create things. They want to see the values that you stand for. And so I, I also think that it is it is a wise business decision um, because people are looking to they're looking to you they're looking to us as entrepreneurs to to sort of lead the way and show the world what we stand for and so I just think that um, by by making this a strategic priority by by placing some emphasis on building an inclusive business on creating inclusive brand messaging for your business it, it's going to show kind of what you stand for and it's going to allow I think more revenue to come your way and more profitability. I think, I don't think it's one or the other. I think they go hand in hand. I think you can have a successful business and do the right thing. And you know that I agree with you on those things because we have talked about this before. So that's no big surprise. Um, But I do like how you, you pointed out that there's like two, there are two elements to it. One is it's just that moral and ethical responsibility that we feel like we have just as human beings to, Mm. you know, and, and acknowledging that we have different experiences from other people, but we don't want to exclude people based on their, their experiences. So it's that one moral and ethical piece. But then, like you said, it's also, it's a good business decision 
it, it you get the right people working with you and it ends up having a positive impact on your on your revenue um mm-hmm. so i i love that it works in both ways that it's like yeah. alignment there so yeah it sounds like the first step is to to rethink your ideal client um do you think that we typically design our ideal, for me at least, I initially designed my ideal client to kind of look like me, which I think is problem number one. I don't just, and I don't just mean physically look like me, but mm-hmm. like have a lot of my same feelings and experiences. And yeah. so I definitely feel like that's, that's the first step that needs to happen is that we have to rethink our ideal client to not design them to look like us. Yes. And I think it is a huge thing. So like, let's say you've decided, okay, I'm all in. This is important to me. This is a goal of mine. And now, okay, what do I do? The ideal client thing for so many, I feel like um, uh, online-based entrepreneurs, especially the coaches of the world, but even service providers and other types of entrepreneurs, often the idea, the genesis of our business, where it came from, it was we've become the coach that we didn't have when we were starting out. We are building the course or the group or the program that we wished we had when we were starting out. We created a product suite that made our lives easier that we wish that we had when we were starting out. Like overwhelmingly the majority of the time that that's what's going on. So inherently you're thinking about it. Okay, well, what did I wish that I have when I was getting started? Okay, I want to talk to you when I'm crafting this idea of, you know, people talk about ideal client avatar, these other, whatever you want to call it, right? Um, When you're thinking about who you're targeting, if you're just sitting there thinking about yourself, you know, five, 10 months, years, however earlier, right? Whatever prior version of yourself. Well, if you're someone who brings to the table a whole heck of a lot of privilege. So if we, like, if I'm bringing to the table all of my white privilege, if I'm bringing to the table all of the privilege I have as a, as a heterosexual, able-bodied, neurotypical woman in, in America, right? Like I am writing to a very privileged individual whose, whose lived experiences do not encompass Oh, you know, that of so many others in this world. Um, and so I think a really important thing and something I'll, I'll often do when I'm exploring things with clients, and there's a reason why most, a lot of business development programs or marketing courses, copywriting, like so much of it um, starts with like trying to understand who it is that you're talking to, right? Who it is that you're marketing to. Um, there's a reason why. And I'll often as, a, as I'm working with clients, we'll, we'll dig in and we'll say like, okay, you know, what are the needs? What are the pain points? Let's keep them up at night. You know, what have they been doing wrong up until now? What have they been doing right up? You know, we ask all these questions and we, and we talk through it. And then I always ask this question. It always throws people for a loop. So, so write this down and ask yourself this. Okay, great. You know, you've just told me all about your ideal client. Marvelous. Now, imagine that that very same ideal client with all those exact same needs, pain points, challenges, wants, desires, all of it. Now imagine that they were a much more marginalized version of that person. How would those needs change? So again, if, if you're the white entrepreneur and you're, and, and so sometimes I'll, I'll say, and, and people ask, well, what do you mean by that? Well, you're a white heterosexual woman. What happens if you are talking to a black woman who identify or who has um, a non-binary gender identity, as an example? What if you're talking to a, um, someone who's a transgender woman, right? Like how would her, that person's needs change based on what you've just described. And then it's always as, 
oh, okay, wait a minute, let me realize their day-to-day life looks a little bit different. The needs that they have might be a little bit different. Their, their, whatever it is, um, their life picture is just different. And so it's often um, a bit of an aha moment that, wait a minute, I need to rethink who it is that I'm talking to and understand that, again, there are people with vastly different lived experiences than yourself. And if you want to be truly welcoming and creating a safe space, you have to understand and try to explore some of that and reflect some of that in the content that you're creating. Now, as a white cisgender woman, and knowing so many people who are like me in my mm-hmm. race and, and, and gender, mm-hmm. it can feel overwhelming. And like, how do you know ex- how to communicate with people who are outside of that, who are in those marginalized communities? And that's what, what a role that you play, right, is helping to like to tweak your your messaging so that it. Yeah, so I, it can be. I think it can definitely be overwhelming. So, like, if we so we we jumped right into the action step, which is good. But if I if I take even a step further back for a second, like. I think one of the reasons that for, for so many of us, it, it can feel overwhelming, even when we know our values, our heart, our, our politics, all of it, like we know we care so much about this. We also, I think, are very sensitive to the fact of not wanting to do the wrong thing or not wanting to say or do something that's harmful to someone else. I think that for a lot of people, we, like, we sort of share that. I think, and I think that's where some of this overwhelm kind of comes through because I'll have people sometimes who reach out to me and are like, well, what words can I say? Or what can't I say? And, and, and it just doesn't exist. Like it's a, it's a line I use often. And I'll say like, what we're essentially doing is we're creating new language for your business. Language like gender is fluid. I, I'll say that often. Right. And I think that when, before we even sit down to say, okay, let's, let's re let's rethink the ideal client. I think again, it's really important to dig into why is this so important to you? It shouldn't just be about like, oh, hey, like I want to make you know some money because some chick on a podcast told me that, that, that it could be profitable, <laughs> right? When you sit down and I think you really dig deep into why does this matter for you? You become so committed to like the bigger purpose that you're bringing into it that it, be, it can become easier to sort of sift through and say, wait a minute, I'm starting to get overwhelmed by this or I'm starting to get worried about doing the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing, it can become easier to, to take kind of, we say it, I feel like all the time in like entrepreneurial, like that messy action forward to just get started. Um, I am someone who's very fortunate in that I, I am in an interracial marriage. So I've had a lot of practice, frankly, screwing up and having to be held accountable and having to apologize and all the things. I think once we start um, evolving our messaging and start taking the good faith effort. That's not to say that we're never going to get called out on it, but it becomes a lot easier to say, oh, wow, I didn't realize that. I didn't know that the thing I was saying or doing was harmful. Whew, I'm glad that somebody pointed that out to me. Mm-hmm. I'm really, really sorry about that. I'm going to do better. And that's like often the worst, not the worst thing that can happen. I mean, theoretically, you could lose a client or whatever, but like that's often the most painful part of it. And so when you realize that, it becomes a little bit easier to, to step forward and, and try to cut through some of the overwhelm. I think another thing, quite frankly, that goes hand in hand in it, because so many of us um, hang out in circles that look so much like ourselves, it's just the thing that happens in, in human nature. I think the more you can try to at least expose yourself to different types of conversations, whether that be making it a priority to read more books um, by, you know, people whose backgrounds and lived experiences differ from yours, whether it's, you know, 
reading different types of articles, whether it's listening to podcasts or showing up in clubhouse rooms or these types of conversations, right? I think the more you can surround yourself with different types of conversations, um, just even to, to learn and consume and to take it all in, I think it also then inherently becomes a little bit easier to start to figure out, oh, okay, this is how I can hang out and talk to a, a white transgender woman as a white cisgender woman. Or this is how I could um, try to make you know, someone from you know, whatever it is, different identity, feel more safe and comfortable with me. I think um, the more you kind of expose yourself um, to you know, folks with, with different ideas and backgrounds, it becomes a little bit easier. No, and I like the, that example. One of the things, um, there's a lot of virtual summits and stuff happening. Mm-hmm. So I've joined a couple virtual summits that have more Black speakers or, or diverse speakers than mm-hmm. I may see in my own circles or searching yeah. podcasts and the same thing. A lot of, I noticed a lot of my podcast hosts were all white women. And mm-hmm. so I started to to look outside of that, you know, to look for podcasts hosted by other races or, or religions and things like that to try to yeah. expand. Um, and one other thing that you mentioned about like the worst thing being messing up and you could potentially lose a client, but I think more the way you respond to being called out yeah. is really what's going to make a difference. Yeah. And it is a constant process. It was, I want to say it was just a couple of weeks ago that I had another one of those moments. Um, where I had said something was my spirit animal. Mm-hmm. And somebody said, well, you know, that's, that's not cool. Like you shouldn't because mm-hmm. it's appropriating mm-hmm. Native. And I was just like, oh gosh, like I just had never even yeah. thought about it. And yeah. then I mentioned it to my husband or actually my kids said it. And so I mentioned it to them in front of my husband, who's also very progressive. And he had never heard it's like it's this constant process of being open to learning how what we say and what we do impacts people differently and it's always changing um but you just do your best yeah and I think I'm reminded of something so and like for me and you'll you'll even see this right like in the in the inclusive messaging space Mm -hmm. like there is there's a ton of of debate in the diversity equity inclusion justice space like there there's there's certain things that we all know you don't say and do and then there's things that are somewhat in this like kind of gray area well is that okay or is it not this person's telling me it's okay but that person's telling me it's not so that's why i also think it's really important to set kind of your own goals and strategy and framework and like your own sort of opinion and beliefs around what this means to you and your business. So like, as an example, I, uh, I participated in a webinar. There's a, a, a woman that I follow on Instagram. Catrice Ology is her handle. She's great to follow. Um, and I would highly recommend any of her programs. But um, uh, you know, after listening to one of her programs, I came up with this idea that like my personal belief system as it relates to inclusive messaging and trying to build an inclusive anti-racist business is I, my goal is to do less harm, period, do less harm. So like as an example, woman with an X, that's something that's out there. That's actually pretty hotly debated. Do you write woman with an E-N or do you write woman with an X-N? Well, I had at one point in time read that woman with an X was meant to include transgender and gender non-binary women in the definition of women. 
Um, and I, and immediately I'm like, well, that's super aligned with my values. I'm going to do it. I changed all my marketing, all the things X. Um, that's what I'm rolling with. Subsequent to that, I learned and I found that there was this entire other train of thought and theory that, well, wait a minute, actually, um, woman with an X, um, there are many individuals in the transgender and gender non-binary community that find women with an X actually very harmful and very exclusionary because why aren't they already included in women with an E? And there was this entire discussion and there was this history around where the word, the origin of the word came from, just something that I just did not no, at the time. And I was, I, I was pretty upset with myself that I somehow missed it. That's not what the point is. The point is, is that, you know, there's this debate. And so you'll still see it. There are people out there who use it. And then there's a, a, a very large community that says, this is not okay. For me, I have adopted a mantra of do less harm. So at that point, it's easy. I don't care. There's enough people out here that say that this is harmful. I'm taking it out. I, I'm done. So I didn't want to just like change all my marketing material without letting people know. So I just kind of issued an apology and said, this is what I've learned. This is the resources where I've, I've learned it from. This is my decision on this. And this is how I personally feel what it means for me and my business. And you know, the response to that was great. I had a lot of people being you know, very supportive of that. And um, I actually think somebody reached out to me for an inquiry after that. So like, again, the thing that it can be good for you, good for the world and good for business, right? And it was just like, okay, we're kind of moving on. Like, I think about it all the time when like at home with the kids, like the toddlers, sometimes they like bump into one another and they do something wrong. You know, it wasn't intentional. They didn't mean to hurt one another, but okay. A genuine heartfelt apology about, Hey, I've learned this. I'm sorry. I've changed my mind and I'm going to try to do better. I mean, that really just does go a very long way. Um, and I think we get so intimidated. Um, and, and I just wish that, I just hope that people can, can see that, that you don't have to be so afraid of that. Yeah. And I really think that's all it takes, It, but it has to be heartfelt. It has to be genuine. Mm-hmm. Like, don't yeah. just, don't just say it if you don't, believe it but that's a way to come back from we all make mistakes and we have to be comfortable with that and willing to make mistakes and then willing to take constructive criticism totally yep I agree with everything that you said and I think it 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 feels and again the more you I think tune into it on the front end of like wow, this is really, really important for me. I care so much about these values. It, it just, it, it's going to become super apparent that, wow, this person's apology is genuine. They yeah. really are trying to do the work. Like a lot, most people out there, I mean, even yourself, myself, like you can spot from a mile away, like the people who are genuinely interested and they care. And these are issues that are important to them and important to their business. And they're going to make it a priority. Um, to the folks out there who who just don't and they just are throwing up at the black square because it's the cool thing to do on whatever Tuesday. Um, you know, so I think that people can tell and and people can see, oh wow, okay. Yep, they meant it. Cool, let's move on. Yeah. And one thing we've touched on a little bit um is like we've t- I I feel like when we think about diversity and inclusion, we automatically think of black and white. We think of race but it goes beyond race. And I feel Mm -hmm. like, how do you really define that out and then ensure that you're, and I don't want to say checking all the boxes. We already talked about that not being a good thing, but like (laughs) touch, you know what I mean? Like touching everybody so that it's completely inclusive for race, for religion, for gender, for all of those things. 
Yep. I think it's a great question. I know it's like one of the, like the, like number two thing that I mentioned when we were sort of prepping, you know, this conversation um, is to try to think beyond race. Um, I think, so first of all, I don't think there's ever this like imaginary, like end point, like goal line where you've like arrived, you know what I mean? And you're it and you've done it and you've achieved it. I, I really do believe that this is trying to build an inclusive business and create inclusive messaging for business. It is really, it is a commitment. It is a priority. It is a way of doing business differently. Um, and so I really think, again, internalizing that, it also helps it feel less overwhelming because it's less like this, I'm going to rush out and do all these things right this second, but I'm going to work on this this month and this that month or this is my goal this year and that's my goal that year, whatever it is. Um, I think it also comes back to, again, defining what this looks like and means for you. So yes, there is a very big piece of uh, like, and I think it's also a reflection of what has transpired here within the US within the course of the past year. A conver- the conversation is, is being dominated by, by you know, the black-white conversation because of, of the, the surge of, of movement and interest around Black Lives Matter and everything. Um, but there is much more to building an inclusive business than just that, than just you know the the conversation around race. It is looking at um, little like just there's so much to it. Like it's looking at you know are you honoring um, the LGBTQ community within your space? Right. I was having a conversation with a client, and we were going through some of her content. And her ideal client, past version of her, she was constantly talking about, you know, she was saying, imagine if you and your boyfriend were XYZ. Well, wait a minute. What if your ideal client is a girlfriend, right? Um, What if your client just has a partner, right? So thinking, you know, beyond race, thinking about, are you honoring the LGBTQ community? Are you um, making gender-based assumptions in your content? Um, I'm from just outside of Boston. Guys is like a, a super common thing. Hey guys, you guys, like we all say guys. I say it to my kids all the time. <laughs> but like, are you making gender-based assumption? Hey ladies, how, like how common do we do we interact with a group of, of who we believe are all identifying as women? Hey ladies, hey girls, right? Um, so are you making gender-based assumptions in your content? Um, even to things like, you know, just people with different abilities, right? Are you, um, have you started to incorporate image descriptions in your, um, that accompany your photos on your Instagram feed, for example, so that somebody with, with visual, um, who needs visual assistance in, um, in how they read the, read the content to them, can they understand what, what they're looking at or you know, what, they're, what you're trying to show them? Um, that's something that I have a lot of work to do. And I actually just did my first image description on Instagram only on one of my posts yesterday. Um, it's, it's a huge priority of mine. Are you, when you're do, using video, are you using captions? Um, if you even take a step back and looking at like your business overall, do you have flexible and inclusive pricing options for people to meet people at different sort of financial needs? It goes way beyond just race. And that's a moment where people are often like, uh Oh, like I was overwhelmed before. Now I'm even more overwhelmed now because I thought it was just this one thing. Um, and that's where, again, I say a couple of things. It comes back to recognizing this is a way of doing business. You're in business for the long term. I'm assuming, you know, for a lot of us, this is like our, our baby that we're going to create and live and do and be for the rest of our lives. So you've got time, right? Um, you've got time to just kind of slowly and methodically go through some of this. And two, again, I think as you're, um, as you're exposing yourself to more content, it will, you'll, 
it will start to become a bit easier about where and how um, you can start to incorporate these changes into your own messaging for your brand. Yeah. And I'll tell you like a personal example, I've often wondered if I'm doing a disservice to talk about moms, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't, this is me being put myself out there, but like, I'm not sure if, if everybody, like if somebody who's, here I go trying to like get my words right. Somebody who's like non-binary and a parent, I don't know if they Mm -hmm. would necessarily relate to the word mom, but at the Mm -hmm. same time, I'm not, do you know what I mean? Like I, I I fight with that a lot. Um, So that's just an example of, of that's like my next step is I need to figure out if using the word mom is Mm -hmm. harmful or not um, for me. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's an interesting thing because, and it's something that happens often. So people will ask like, so wait a minute. So I'm supposed to be inclusive. So that means I need to include everybody. Like, so, but I've always marketed just to women. So this means I have to start marketing to men now, but I don't want to do that. Or, or, or I do, I work specifically with moms. So now do I have to work with dads or, or different things? And I think the important thing um, to kind of remember is, are you making, uh, here's what I would think about. Like it, we often think about um, our spaces as, or our audience as kind of a community. Um, and I've actually was reading recently that, um, that there's like, there's certainly there's paid community and then your audience is your audience. So they, they are distinct, but anyways, um, if, if you had to put yourself in the shoes of the most marginalized person in a room of all parents, um, fee, you know, female or female identifying parents would the most marginalized one in that room be upset by the term mom or does that person see themselves as a mom too? I don't know. That's, I think, a question that you're going to have to discover. I think um, people, uh, you know, it's, it's an easy, um, it's an easy uh, reaction to have and I, and I can understand why it's something that you would think about. Um, I, I don't think tr- deciding that you want to be inclusive in your messaging means that you have to start um, speaking to everybody. Um, I think uh, there was, um, I think it was um, Trudy LeBron is a really brilliant, another really brilliant um, uh, educator in this space. And I believe it was um, she who said this um, early in the, um, shortly after everything happened last year with George Floyd, um, she, she made a post and it was to the effect of, you know, in order to be inclusive, Sometimes that means you have to exclude certain people. If allowing certain people into a space is going to be harmful for the most marginalized people in that room, then we need to keep those those folks out of that space. So I don't think that within our messaging, we need to now welcome everybody, but it's it's about making sure. And again, this is why defining what it means for you, I think is so important. Um, Figuring out again within your group, the people that you want to speak to, are you making all of them? Are you making the most vulnerable people within that group um, feel safe and feel seen? Um, I think it's an interesting question. It might be something that you know you at one point do some market research on, or or, or see if you can find you know very specifically you know someone who would consider themselves as, as gender non-binary. Um, do they use words like mom or dad, or do they just consider themselves a parent? Um, it would be interesting to understand. Um, and maybe if, if, again, you're trying to work mostly with, with 
women or people who identify as women, maybe you flip from mom and say, you know, um, women identifying parents or something like that. Or you could say moms and um, parents who identify as women or, or parents who are comfortable in the spaces that prioritize the needs of women, things like that. Um, I think where a lot of, um, if we take it back to the woman with an ex conversation, um, oftentimes a, a lot of these words, it happens. So my husband is a Dominican immigrant and we have conversations all the time about Hispanic versus Latinx and things like that. Oftentimes these labels are derived not from the people in the group, but from white people as a, as a way to throw a label on someone and categorize them in one way. And that's why sometimes these labels can be harmful or problematic for different folks. Um, and so I think that um, if we go back to women with an ex, um, part of the reason why that was considered to be so harmful is because it, it didn't really center the needs of the people it was trying to protect. It was, it was created by other people and said, oh, here, let's throw this label on you and then it mm. will work. Um, and so I think, you know, paying, you know, following, if, if, if your concern very specifically is, well, would somebody in, in the gender non-binary community um, be hurt by being called a mom um, you're going to want to go kind of direct to the source and try to see if you can consume content by folks within that community um, and, and sort of take your your cues from there. Well, I think that answer, I mean, number one, it's helpful for me. And mm-hmm. number two, I hope that it's hugely helpful for everybody else listening. I know I seem to attract a lot of people who are serving Mm-hmm. female identifying clients, mm-hmm. you know, in, in one way, shape or form. So even if you're, you know, watching or listening and you're not specifically marketing to moms, you may be marketing to women and, and the same lessons, the same answer applies. Mm-hmm. And I really like that, that, you know, shift to think about your audience and that most marginalized person. I think that that yeah. is a brilliant approach yeah. To yeah. ensuring that your messaging is on is on point. Yeah, I think another thing that you can do is you can just rather than try to define the group with a label, you can just explicitly say, "I serve moms, women who identify as parents, X Y Z." You know, and just specifically say. So, like, I've now within my own site, I'll say, like, I support. Um, women and I say, and I'll, then I'll say like, you know, black indigenous women of color, um, Latino women, gender non-binary non-conforming. I'll, like I'll very explicitly sort of define who I mean, um, when I use the word women. And so the, like, there's no, um, my hope and the, and the goal is that there's no sort of room for, um, well, wait a minute, is she not talking to me? I'm very specifically saying, you know, the types of individuals that I'm trying to support. And so I think, you know, if, if you're ever in question or in doubt about a particular label, um, is there a way that you can step back from the label and just partic- in explicitly say who you're there to serve is another way to go about it. And I think it also depends upon where you're putting that information. Like as somebody, my background is in advertising, like like yeah. ads where you have concise little bits in, of space. Yes. And so it, something like that, a long explanation wouldn't work there, but it would work on our website. Yeah. So it, it's just... And I think in those cases, I try to find imagery that yeah. shows yes. diversity, which is I tough. I don't even think that that was something that I, when I mentioned when I was talking about, you know, thinking beyond race, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, your imagery and, and, and stuff like that. I know we talked about captions and we talked about all the other things, but imagery is a huge part of, you know, creating inclusive messaging is, is what are the images that you're creating? And I, and I do think 
Um, I also think the, the more that you, I guess, prioritize and, and, and work on this and show that, you know, if you've got a statement on the website, you've got, you know, on your, your podcast questionnaire, you have sort of your value statement, you do post images, you do, I think that, I don't want to say like you get the benefit of the doubt, because that's not the thing that I'm, that's not the thing that I'm trying to say, but like, like, uh, like there comes, people come to know more or less what you stand for. And they might not see the exact thing in your ad to your point, because, well, it's, too long to belong in an ad, but then they pop over to your website and they see it and they know, or they see the rest of your body of work that is your business and they kind of know. Um, so I do think that the more, you know, the easier it becomes for you to start incorporating all of this throughout, you know, throughout your brand, the easier it's going to be for you. And that kind of reminded me too, it's important, if this is a value that you hold and if you've made it this far in the conversation, um, you do. So if you've made it this far in the conversation, now is the time to really implement those changes. Yeah. The last thing that you want to do is wait until something tragic happens, like George Floyd, and then suddenly change everything because that doesn't look yeah. genuine. I know that there were, like I said, I follow a lot of advertisers and there, was, mm-hmm. there were some advertisers who had never used a picture of a Black person ever in mm-hmm. years. And then yeah. after that, they had a stock photo with, with a black person and message it, and it just reeked of insincerity. Yeah. Um, so start taking those baby steps. And yeah. I, I like, you mentioned this before too. You can't work on it all. So like, we can't all of a sudden focus on race and gender and religion and, mm-hmm. you know, visual and, Heart, you know, deaf and hard of hearing issue. We can't focus on them all. Pick one, <laughs> master that, and then slowly yeah. start building them out. You know, I made sure when I do my summits that everything is captioned. I also have experience working within the deaf community. Um, mm-hmm. So I make sure everything is captioned because I have a lot of friends and followers who are yeah. deaf. Um, yeah. But I haven't done the visual stuff on Instagram, yeah. like you mentioned. Yeah. So, yeah. and I know I can't add that on today. Yeah. But that'll go in my like to-do list so that when yeah. I've got bandwidth to expand yep. and become more yeah. inclusive, that that'll yeah. be what I do. And that's exactly the thing, you know, you, you know, you just kind of, just like any other goal that you have in your business, like it just becomes a thing. Maybe you give yourself something to focus on for the quarter, for the month, for the year, who knows, you know, start somewhere. Um, I, I think that, you know, Again, personally, we know how I feel that, it, you know, I feel like we have a moral obligation as, as, as individuals. But I also think, and this is something that, you know, I say, and, and I'll talk about this often within my own channels. And I know I'm trying to come across as like shamey or judgy. Like I, I very openly share when I screw up and, and F up because I want to kind of normalize that behavior. Um, you know, I've, I've shared at different points in time some, some very kind of open conversations about you know, my experiences and being in an interracial relationship and the whole bit. But like, I think part of it, um, it, not only are people going to all of a sudden be like, oh shoot, she just decided just today, you know, after George Floyd happened to put something out there. I think that part of it is, is also like when, when we don't say anything, um, 
people are looking, they're paying attention. So whether you say something or you don't say something, your audience is coming up with their own narrative around it. And so wouldn't you rather be in the driver's seat around what that narrative is? Even if it's imperfect, even if it's intimidating, even if it's like, oh my gosh, am I going to screw something up and say or do the wrong thing? People are going to, people are looking, they're going to wonder. um, And, you know, they're just going to wonder. They're going to make up their own story in their own mind about, oh, well, that's why Amy hasn't come out and said anything because this isn't important to her. Um, They're going to come up with that kind of a narrative. So I just think it's, um, again, if, if this is truly a value of yours, um, you're going to want to, you're going to want to c- control the way in which you have that conversation. That was the point that I lost for a hot second there. <laughs> no problem. And I think one of the things that's been a great help to me has been having people who I know I can go to with questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, and I can't necessarily tell you like who you're going to, because you can't just, you don't want to just go out there and be like, Hey, I'm looking for a gay friend. Like, you don't want to do that. Um, But like our Facebook group, the Familypreneur community is a great place where you can ask those questions and people in that community are used to these conversations. And it's just find your space, find people who are like-minded, who are willing to have these conversations with you so that like, yes, you can go read books and listen to podcasts and do research, but also actual real life people that you can throw ideas around mm-hmm. with because mm-hmm. that feedback is invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. Now the last, we had three kind of action steps we wanted to, to touch on. So I want to make sure we touch on um, the last one. I feel like we could just talk about this, talk about stuff oh, forever. I <laughs> could talk about it all day. <laughs> so the last one is appropriation and things yeah. to watch for regarding yes. language appropriation. And I don't yeah. know if bringing in the spirit animal, like I said, that was my just latest, yeah. you know, just open mouth insert foot moment. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great, um, it's interesting that you, you know, that you shared that example. I've had my own examples. Um, I think that, um, Again, language is kind of fluid. If you're looking for a checkbox list of what words are okay to use and what words aren't okay to use, um, you, like literally take to Google and type, is spirit animal problematic? Is I put AF, that was mine, um, problematic. Um, the reality is um, a lot of the sort of trendy, slangish, cool kind of internet speak um, a lot of it is just a, is just cultural appropriation. Period. It just yeah. is. Um, I'm not suggesting that all of it is. Um, I'm just saying that inevitably you're using, um, particularly if you've never heard the term AAVE or BVE. It stands for African American Vernacular English or Black Vernacular English. It's something that I encourage you Google and just do your own research on. And again, this is why having your own sort of framework for what this means for you, I think, is so important. Um, Literally, I've, I've I've hired my own coaches, um, you know, business coaches um, to help me with my own diversity, equity, inclusion sort of initiatives. And within there, there are differences of opinion on the use of of AAVA in content. Um, so, for example, I you know I have one coach who feels very 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 strongly that as that, you know, African-American vernacular English, it is a, 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 it is a very specific dialect of English that often Black individuals are um, 
when they use that English or, or that dialect, they're often looked down upon, mistreated. There's a whole history around it. But when white people use it, it becomes cool and okay and acceptable to do. So it's harmful. And so this particular coach, you know, had a very firm stance. White people don't use it, period. So for me, do less harm. Okay, I'm done. So I looked up, I literally had a branded program, sales page, the whole thing that I was selling with the term AF in it. I am someone who swears a lot. In real life, if we were having a conversation in real life, I wouldn't actually say AF. I would say the whole thing. No, you know, kind of cute abbreviations needed. Um, and yet I created my program with that because it was, you know, again, the cool, hip, internet, trendy thing to do. And so sure enough, when I go, I'm like, I know this is, I know this is going to come up. Um, and sure enough, I looked at it and it was like, yep, there's, there are some people out there who say that it's fine, but there's a lot of people out there who say that's not fine. That's A-A-V-E. You shouldn't use it. So again, for me, I'm done. I'm, my whole philosophy is I'm here to do less harm. That's why, again, knowing what that is for you is so important. But there is, um, whether it be the tribe, the spirit animal, something that um, I, I've seen people use before, talk about their entrepreneurship coming out party, um, mm. coming out. Um, that's something that I've heard people use in a very kind of harmful way. Um, there's lots of, again, if you think of any kind of cool or hip or trendy kind of a thing, um, and especially if you don't actually say it in real life, I would really look long and hard about why you're writing it and why you're typing it out. Um, and literally when all else fails, turn to Google. Um, spend some time Googling A-A-V-E, Google B-V-E. Literally you can type in words and say, is this word that? Um, is this word A-A-V-E? And you'll find it. And, and again, then you have a decision to make. You know, Are you in, in the, you know, the strict, I'm here to do less harm? Are you in some other space? I think there's, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can approach it. But I think it will be helpful because we, we just all do it. And we do it way more frequently than we realize. Um, and, you know, uh, there's just this history of, of, of white people and, uh, you know, just sort of taking pieces of other people's culture, other people's identity, other people's language and using it in a way that, oh, all of a sudden we made it cool when for somebody else, like they were persecuted for using that language or, or you know, they were chastised for when they came out or whatever it is. So I, I, I really do think, again, and, and I say it all the time, you're creating new language for your business. Language, gender, this stuff is fluid. And so you have to understand that, again, what you're doing here is you're taking kind of an ongoing look at, are you using language? Are you creating new language that speaks to your audience in a way that makes them feel safe, seen, and heard? And if you're regularly looking at it and assessing this, you're going to find that it's going to become easier and easier to do when you do like what we said. Think beyond race, rethink your ideal client, and pay really close attention to when you're writing words that feel really cool, but aren't actually things that you would say in real life. Um, that should be a flag that's going off in your head that, wait a minute, why am I doing this? Um, so. now, do you, uh, this is honest question with this conversation. I haven't heard this about the AF. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? So yeah. Do, so that's not something you would say in real life. What if it was something you would say in real life? So no, yeah. here's the other thing. Like my oldest daughter is biracial. She's yeah. 13. Yeah. So she will sometimes yep. speak with, with some of that. Yep. And so I will speak it. And here, yeah. I don't want to make it so, but you know what I mean? Like you banter no, with your own kids, just like yeah. you banter with a, a friend who may be of a different race. Yep. Like at what point is it appropriation? And at what point is it 
still kind of under an appreciation umbrella. Yes, yeah. And then how do you, how does that work when somebody you, may not know that you're, yep. you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I totally get it. Believe me, I totally get it because... Uh, one, this exact, so when I made a post about renaming my program, this like whole conversation like transpired on within my feed. It's also something that I personally deal with because we speak Spanish at home. And then sometimes I wore like, I'm, I'm a white woman whose Spanish is not my first language. And yet I will infuse it sometimes into my, my work and my content because it's, it's part of our household, mm-hmm. but do people know? So I believe me, it's a totally fair question. I totally get why you have it. And so interestingly, when I made, when I made the post for me personally around AF, um, there was, there was a conversation where, um, a, a, a friend of mine, um, who has a branded program, um, with, with where she uses that, um, she ended up tagging a person from her community, a black woman from her community to sort of weigh in on it. And like the, her philosophy um, and, and the woman that the woman shared was like, well, uh, you know, for me, it can signal safe space. It can signal um, exactly what you meant, appreciation, right? Here's where I think it comes back to again. <laughs> it's not like a broken record. Um, like defining what this means for you. Like, now she was, you know, and again, I know that this particular person, um, she has her own um, story with all of these issues. She talks very openly about this within her community. And she made a decision around using AF with sort of the support and sort of in, in discussion with her community and agreed very much to adopt it. And that's a beautiful thing that works for her. Like there's no one way to run business. There's no one way to do inclusive messaging, right? I think for me, the way that I was using it was very clearly appropriative. It was very clearly trying to be hip and trendy. Now, I think it, it, that's why I, I think the goal um, is to, again, be really intentional with your language, be really intentional with the choices you're putting out there in your content and in your messaging, because then it becomes, again, like this body of work, right? And people are going to know who Meg is and what Meg stands for. And that maybe they know about Meg's daughter or whatnot. And they know that, okay, this is, this is a safe space. This is an okay thing for her to use. Um, for me personally, the way I was using it was wrong. Um, and I think also, right? Like, while it, I thought it was really helpful and it was actually a beautiful conversation that ended up unfolding within my feed. I also know that a coach that I still work with to this day has a, like, she had a really hard line. Like, no, white people don't use AAVE. I don't think it's okay. And for me, I was just kind of like, all right, like that, that's where I'm at. I'm done with that. But that's why I think the topic it can easily send you into a bit of an overwhelm. Well, how do I know? I'm trying to appreciate. I, you know, I don't know. And, and um, I think that's why it all comes back to, again, looking at it as a body of work, looking at it as a, as a, as a commitment to doing business one way and just making intentional decisions around it. Um, and, and knowing that, yes, there might be somebody out there who says, wow, there goes another white girl using AF. She's not my people. And that, that can be an okay outcome for you too. Um, you know, I, I think that's, it's just a, like, let's make these decisions kind of intentionally mm-hmm. um, versus just do them because that's the thing that we want to do, you know? Well, and I appreciate that. And I don't think I've, I don't know that I've ever used AF in like sales copy or anything like that. I just, yeah. just trying to think through some of these questions yeah, totally. because it's, it's tough. And like you said, it's fluid and you're not going to get it right all the time. So you just kind of do your best. And I think that that message 
has been received through yeah. through this episode. So I really thank you for taking sure. all of that time. And I know you mentioned feeling like a broken record, but sometimes you have to. Sometimes it's just like restating the the the, the information and then mm-hmm. how to relate that back to the various questions because yeah. that can be complicated too. Yeah. Now, can you tell us a little bit about how do you work with clients and then where can people continue to learn from you? Yeah. So um, I work with clients. Well, as you mentioned in sort of the beginning, I uh, like my background and what I do right now is I write copy, right? Um, so I write copy, right? <laughs> that sounds funny. I actually say that all the time and I write it all the time. Anyways, so I write for people literally. So I will work with clients. I work with clients in kind of two ways. Either I'm working with clients who come to me and say, I need you to write me a sales page or a website or some emails or social content, right? Beautiful. What do you need written? I love writing things. So, you know, I do have a questionnaire that everyone fills out beforehand to make sure that we're on the same page values wise and all the things. Um, but I write things for people. Um, or I work with people who are in a space where they don't even, um, either they're just getting started out or they're rebranding, or I'm working with someone right now who's kind of moving in a different direction from a service provider model to an agency model. I've worked with someone else who's just recently decided they want to incorporate more of their values in their business. The other way I work with people, when, when I don't have clients who are like, I'm ready to write this thing, take it and write it. I help people come up with, uh, I would sort of define like the heart and soul of their message, like a brand messaging framework for the person who's like, I'm rebranding and I need to figure out how to talk to a new type of client. I'm re, you know, I'm, I'm repositioning myself in the market and I need to figure out who I'm talking to and how to describe the problem that I solve. So I help people come up with kind of like a, think of like a vision board, but for copy kind of, um, where literally we come up with sort of a messaging framework for your business to help you understand this is who I am. This is my unique selling proposition. This is who I'm talking to. This is how I solve problems. And this is the type of language that I use in my business. So I do a lot of like that core brand messaging stuff. And then I also write things for people, um, which is like, I still can't believe that I get to do this, that this is my real (laughs) life. It is so much fun and I absolutely love it. Um, So that's what I do and how I work with clients. Where you can find me, I hang out most. um, I post the most on Facebook. Um, I consume the most on Instagram and lately on Clubhouse because there's just a different types of conversation happening on that platform. Although that platform has a lot of question marks in its early days. So I'm, I'm kind of like approaching it with caution. But Amy Matos 28 is my handle basically everywhere because there's too many other Amy Matoses in the world. Um, and 20 is my lucky number. So Amy Matos 28. Um, or my website is just www.gleampeoplestrategies.com because I've, you know, we have to create long, cute business names when we first get started out. And now it's very <laughs> sentimental to me. So there you go. Well, I will put all of those links in the show notes. And thank you so much. This went super long, um, but it's a super important topic. And I think you dropped a ton of value. So thank you um, so much. My pleasure. It's so much fun. Thank you so much for having me here. That's it for this episode of Familypreneur. You'll find all the links mentioned and the show notes at megbrunson.com slash podcast. Until next time, I'll see you over in the family.